Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Friday night post-game edition of the Talking About podcast. I am your host, Sean Kennedy. Back with me on the line is Liberty Baller's own Dave Early. Dave, the Harden era continues to be an undefeated one for the Sixers. Another fun, at least second half tonight in the 125-119 victory over Cleveland. How are you doing tonight, and what do you think of tonight's game? I'm good. It's uh, it's hard to keep up. This team went from like the slowest to the fastest team now, didn't it? At, at times, yeah. It it definitely seems like they can hit another gear, especially when they get out in transition and Maxi's really flying up and down the court. But it it also is interesting how Harden also brings a kind of calming, settling presence to to the proceedings. And the, in these last couple of games that have been a little close in the fourth quarter, I, I just feel so much more confident with him out there directing the offense and getting guys into the right spots. It's night and day from free Harden when it was guys trying to get it to Embiid, who was maybe facing a double team, banging around down low in the post, maybe gets the ball with like nine seconds left on the shot clock or something and has to like work his way into a, into a decent shot in three seconds or less. Um, now they're actually running offense. It's, it's such a refreshing breath of fresh air. Yeah. My, my buddy gave me some crap because I compared him to Danny DeVito coming on the, uh, always sunny show last week I was on with you and he was like, you have to do better than that. So I think I'm going to say like something other people have said, you know, sort of like the dude at the Y who's really, really slow. He's really in control. And he blows by you with one step and then he makes sure he sort of boxes you out in the half court playing offense. So you're right behind him, but now you've got like a four on three or a three on two and he's just going to wait for you to make a mistake. Um, And we saw him do that in crunch time and wind up with this like really pretty floater. Yeah. He's just one of those guys that like has the enormous backside at the Y yes. and you just can't, you can't get around it. Just knows how to <laughs> use your bot, use the body correctly. Yep. Um, yeah. That's, that's a, that's a good comparison. I liked your, you're like, I'm faster than this. <laughs> yeah. The, the DeVito comparison was tough because people, my buddy was like, Harden is not DeVito, man. Come on. He's, he's not that old. Um, but I was like, no, no, no. You just, you weren't sure how it would fit. <laughs> and then it brought this new dimension. Both, both yeah. kind of squat a little bit. Like, Good, very good center, compact, center of gravity, powerful. very, very, very good for them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you get him on a switch and you think you got buckets, but he's not moving an inch. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he just uh, brings such a, like I said, just a calming presence in the, in the late game. But he also has helped reignite the transition game in a way that they haven't had since Simmons last took the court for them, which feels like ages ago. Uh, 
and Harden, another guy who is a very good rebounder for a guard. And then he, he just jumpstarts a lot of those transitions himself. And then he had a, another steal tonight. And that, and that would led to the big maxi dunk, which was an eight Oh Tyrese maxi run. So yeah, let's talk about maxi who, we were talking off offline was kind of the the premier star tonight in in what's become this new big three and it it was a little bit different from the first couple games with Harden where Maxi played incredibly well but a lot of it was oh Harden is setting him up he was getting the benefit of defenses adjusting to Harden and then he got to attack closeouts and do the secondary ball handling stuff which is super valuable and he was doing a tremendous job you couldn't really ask more of him but tonight i thought he he had a lot more primary initiation himself and hitting those step backs in isolation he was five of six from three like i I don't know this this might have been the best version of tyrese maxi we've seen yet what did you think i i agree with you i think you nailed it we had been talking about maxi being that guy who's the beneficiary of Harden and beats two-man game, the defense is scrambling. They're helping off maybe Matisse and Harris. You get the ball from the strong side to the weak side, and he can close out and attack a defense that's in scramble mode really well. It wasn't just that. You know, a week ago we had this conversation. We were saying, like, Harden is kind of a one-man zone beater. You know, the Timberwolves threw some zone. You just gave it to Hard and he hit step back after step back three. Today, that was Maxi. Maxi was doing that. He hit like back to back pull up threes, I think. Uh, then he was out on the break. They just basically handed it to him facing a, a locked and loaded defense, and he was getting buckets. Um, this three point shot confidence and this like nine free throws out of him, that's just crazy stuff. That has me like pinching myself. I'm not just being a Sixers fan who's starved and deprived for backcourt skills. I'm really seeing a star here, right? It's not just because we're, <laughs> it's not just because we saw Shake score 39 points a couple years ago and thought we had a star because that's <laughs> our problem and our baggage. But I think we might be seeing the real thing right now. Well, Doc Rivers still believes that Shake Milton is a star from that 39 point performance. But no, and I bless him for that. I mean, <laughs> if you get 11 points out of Shake tonight, that's great. Yeah, we, we are going to talk about Shake a little bit later, who, who did have a, a very good game tonight. Um, but yeah, Maxi, I agree, man. This is, there's nothing homerish about like talking about his star level performance. He's routinely getting 25 plus points a night now, being super efficient. Again, 10, he had 33 points tonight, 10 and 15 from the field, five of six from three, eight of nine from the line. He had a, a few bad, a couple bad turnovers early. Ended up with he had three turnovers very early in the game, but ended up only finishing with those three with five assists. Um, he, he, I don't know, like he doesn't take bad shots. He's getting to his spots, and he can create hyper efficient looks because he's so much faster than everyone else. So he's either getting all the way to the rim, or now with the step back thing, he's just getting open looks whenever he wants from wherever on the court i i don't I, I don't really see any holes in his offensive game right now like he's not the the passer that like harden is obviously because harden's one of the best passers in the league and maxi's still kind of learning that position but but aside from that like scoring the basketball i don't know what what other areas of his game really need there's no holes right now he played like 
as I know, I hear what you're what you're getting at. He kind of played a perfect game, and I think I'm with you on that. You know, he was hitting all his step back threes. He was creating at five dimes. He had two steals. He had a block. I mean, he was off the charts. Uh, I don't think we can expect him to have to continue playing this well just because it's sort of ludicrous. Um, you know, it'll be obviously it'll be a cold splash of water if the Miami Heat do a much better job against him, and I'm prepared for that. But that he's doing this stuff in close games, and this is a very good Cavs team, and you know they've got some. They're very well coached. They're talented. And this was a very losable game, and he helped uh, turn it into a win. Yeah, it's the third quarter where Maxi had 14 points, and that's when the the Sixers they gained their first lead of the game. Or I don't I don't know if they were ahead to at all at the first minute or so, but their first lead during the actual portion of the game, um, and. That that was just Maxi. He had the eight to run. He was just creating himself. Um, and, and obviously George Yang had, had a few big shots towards the end of the third quarter. And but I don't I don't I don't know where we can really ask of this guy who's 21 years old, his second year in the league, getting starters minutes for the first time. Like he he played 38 minutes tonight. Like coming into the year, I, I don't think anyone would have reasonably expected Maxi to be playing 38 minutes when everyone was healthy against a contending team, like not, not, not that, I mean, Cleveland's a playoff team, but they're not necessarily a title contender, but a, a very good, very good team. Like it's, it's shocking how, how good this guy is so quickly. It is. And uh, he's got a really good relationship with the fans. I mean, I saw, you know, you saw Harden sort of waving his hands to get everyone involved and the fans just weren't obliging him. And then Maxi hits two threes and gets a breakaway layup. And next thing you know, you can't hear anything in that place. Um, it's just changed that whole, the whole momentum there. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, the, the crowd wasn't in it for, for a good portion of the game, but once the Sixers showed some life and got back in that game, they, they responded immediately. It was another terrific crowd. So the, t- the two first home performances, home games for the James Harden era. The fans have showed out in a big way. It's, it seems like it's going to be a party at the Wells Fargo center the rest of the year. Like this is, there's hasn't been more, more of a fun atmosphere around Sixers basketball in in quite a few years. This it's really special right now. Everyone should be enjoying this as much as possible. Yeah. The stadium has had this, like, you know, I'm not there. I'm watching from TV, but it's had like this palpable personality the last couple of games where, when the Sixers are struggling and they're down by like 13 or 21, it's like a library. Uh, and then the Sixers make a run and it's like deafening even from my TV. Um, so I don't know, it's very reactive and you can tell like when they lose it, they go berserk. And when they're, when there's tightness in the players, uh, Harden talked about feeling some nervous jitters because of all the love. Um, then, then the fans feel it too. So they're like very much in tune with this team right now. They are. And it's, it's a different vibe. Like, I don't, I don't, you can let me know how you felt about it, but they, the Sixers fell behind by double digits against the Knicks. They were down by, I think, 18 against Cleveland tonight. And both times I, I was very calm. I was very confident, like, oh, they, they got to get some stuff figured out, but I never thought they were out of the game. And in, in the past, if, if they were quickly down by 18, I, 
would kind of chalk it up like, oh, it's this one of those nights where they didn't show up. Like, uh, I'll keep one eye on the game, but I'm, I'm kind of checked out of it. But that, that that hasn't been the case for me this week with these games where they've fallen behind. I, I feel like there's just too much talent and, and they're going to get it corrected in game. And both both games this week, that's very much been the case. I didn't feel that with the Knicks, um, but with this one, when the Sixers made a big push and they cut it to like seven and they fell down by, was it 15 again? Then I started writing my lead for our bell ringer post. Like uh, the Sixers finally lost one in the James Harden era um, to, to get ahead of that. Cause I was like, you know, there's nothing worse than when the team goes down by 15 and then you have to sit through a bunch of commercials and you're like, Ugh. so, <laughs> so I went, I got down in the dumps and started writing that. Um, so I did, I did lose hope for a moment. And they proved me wrong. Like, you, you were right. You can't count this team out. They, just like I looked up and they rattled off a whole pile of points. So put that on my shoulder, Sean. Well, you can leave that in the draft because they'll eventually need it, I suppose. Like, like they, they are 4-0 with Harden, but I don't think that can last forever. It might, it might not last through this weekend. They have a very tough back-to-back in Miami tomorrow night. Uh, so that'll be a really tough test for them. But are they going yeah. to party tonight? You think <laughs> I said I so I had the preview for this game and I said the good thing about having a back to back where the second one is in Miami is that players won't fall victim to the South Beach flu because they Ooh. don't have they don't have the night off the night before. Um, so maybe it's a little blessing in disguise that they they have the game tonight and then just have to fly to Miami and get to sleep right away. But would you not be tempted to uh, to celebrate a little bit after a win like that? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sure everyone would be tempted, but you know they're they're going to be getting on a plane at what like midnight or one one a.m. landing landing in Miami at three four in the morning. Like, let's hope they're tired <laughs> enough to go right to bed. Yeah, but if if anyone knows where the party is at uh, four a.m. in Miami, it's probably James Harden. So I'm not counting him out. <laughs> <laughs> I never would. Um, yeah, Hart, Harden. Uh, I should mention his stat line tonight: twenty-five points, eleven assists, just eleven from twelve from the foul line. N- never anything that was like truly incredible, but just really professional performance from him tonight. Um, he he did hit one s- step back. He he got a four-point play at one point where uh, I believe it's Evan Mobley got called for a flagrant for not giving him space to land. Um, and that was after Harden had been called for an offensive foul himself on a kind of similar play earlier for the kicking his legs out. Um, I don't know. What did, oh, what did you, what did you I, think I of, those, to, of those two plays? Like I that... need to, I need a rant about this. Is that all right? Yeah, please. So I don't know how closely you have followed James Harden in the past, but this, yeah, you, you this... followed him in Brooklyn. So you, you've, you've watched a lot more of his games than I have, but I'm going back here to like 17 and 18 and 19 also if you if you follow daryl morey and james harden in houston you know that this stuff goes back to that game seven where they went against the warriors or they missed like a billion threes remember that game yeah they missed like 27 in a row or something they missed like 20 million in a row and i think the rockets put together like uh you know what they do sometimes is like a highlight reel of missed calls and they send it to the league or whatever they, they felt that they shouldn't have missed so many in a row that like three or four of them should have been trips to the line on the landing zone violation. And they obviously didn't get that call. The rest is history. The following year in 2019, 
game one in Golden State, and it was actually worse. Like, you'll see Clay Thompson completely in Harden's space. And so, in my opinion, you know, I, I know you play pickup sometimes, right? Like, if you can sense a guy's rushing at you, like we saw Evan Mobley do tonight, your instinct, if, it, if it's something you're used to, is to land on your butt because it's very dangerous to land on the guy's foot. So I think Harden's haters say, oh, he's kicking his leg out. You got to be careful. That's an offensive foul. It's BS. But if you are used to it as the way he is, you kick it out, you get two benefits. You might draw the official's eye to that play, but you also might land safely. Joel Embiid has made a career out of landing on his butt because it's safer than landing on one leg. Uh, and I think he does the same there. So I, I think they got it right the second time. I think it's if you call it a flagrant foul occasionally – it gets that play out of the game because Mobley was clearly in Harden's landing space. And it is a dangerous play. If you land on the guy's foot, you could miss like three to six weeks with a rolled ankle. We've seen it before. Kawhi Leonard, obviously Zaza Pachulia. That's why that rule is in place. Yeah. That was a much more severe situation than three to six weeks. So the, there's definitely potential for a serious injury even. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I don't know. I mean, you can definitely make the argument about the the leg kick out for for safety, but I think based on the rule, that might have been the correct call. So you can kind of quibble with the rule more so than the call, I, I would say. But yeah, I agree that the Mobley thing was the correct call in terms of the flagrant. Um, he, yeah, he, I wasn't, he, I wasn't he, saying it's not. Uh, just that, you know, it might be worth getting an offensive foul here and there to avoid landing on that dude's foot. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're not, they're definitely not going to call it a ton, especially with no. the amount of volume that Harden gets up with those shots. Um, I, I wouldn't expect it to be a problem. Just, I, I, I just thought it was an interesting thing to see it, kind of both ends of the spectrum with that play both happen tonight. We saw, yeah, we saw both. I feel like it was the same play twice. In one, Harden kicked his leg out looking for the foul and looking to avoid getting hurt. In the second one, he was just like, all right, I'm just going to land. We'll see what happens. And he got the flagrant. So whether he kicks his leg out, that kind of determined whether or not it's an offensive foul or a flagrant on the D. It's kind of crazy. Yep. Um, all right, let's talk about the uh, the third member of the, the new big three for the Sixers. Uh, Joel Embiid, pretty quiet night by his standards, 22 points, nine rebounds, five assists. I, he was 0, 0 for 4 from three, 8 of 9 from the, the foul line. Is this just the this new standard for Embiid where he doesn't really have to take over? They just let the guards do their thing and then every once in a while he get they, they go to him and get the big bucket or was this more just Cleveland has the size to kind of combat Embiid in the, in the painted area more so than most teams. Uh, Embiid's obviously had a couple 30 point plus performances since Harden's arrived, but it doesn't, it definitely doesn't seem like it's an Embiid centric offense as much as it, it, it used to be like Harden has the ball in his hands a lot now. And it, it seems like both he and then Maxi more so tonight are, are I haven't looked at the usage numbers, but just, just watching it, it seems like it, it's so much more run through them than it used to be in bead. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I, I don't know if he was tired. Like he wasn't playing his best defense at the beginning of that game. 
they, they obviously picked it up in the second half, but Cleveland had like 71 at the break, right? Yeah, the, um, I mean, we we didn't we even really talked about that yet, but the, the, yeah, the, I think Cleveland hit 15 of their first 20 shots from the floor. Uh, it scored 41 in the opening quarter. Just, yeah, not a good defensive start for the Sixers. Not a good defensive start, and I think a lot of that was was Joel. I thought he's – I don't know if he's exhausted. You know, he did play like 31 minutes in the All-Star break. Uh, he came out logging 30-plus minutes since. So I don't know if he's a little tired. I don't know if he needs a game off in Miami tomorrow. Um, he obviously picked it up, and he keeps coming. So, like, even when he has these down games – he makes those winning plays. My One of my favorite plays was when I thought he was going to post up for sure, but then he decided, you know what, I'm going to set a screen for Tyrese who hit a pull-up. And I was like, wait, good on you, Joe. Like, that was such a selfless and mature play to get your teammate going. Uh, and Maxie delivered for him. It was great. Yeah, I mean, he has done a lot better as a screener lately, mm-hmm. and, and which I, I think – with the Harden and Bead partnership, that was something that maybe has been a point of emphasis that people have been talking to Joel about, just to to work on the the pick and roll game and maximize that as much as possible. You're going to need to be setting harder screens, and they've talked a lot about how he he has to mix up his his pick and pop and his and his role and diving to the basket and just you know read the defense and 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 mix things up in that area. Um, yeah, he he still had his moments tonight for sure. The the N one where he he got fouled and kind of scooped it underhand with his left was really impressive and just a fun inventive play on his part. Uh, so yeah, not not to just like obviously twenty two and nine is still a very good game. Like most people would kill for that that kind of night. Uh, but yeah, just by the Joel Embiid standards, when he was there was a couple week stretch this year where he was getting thirty five routinely without without breaking a sweat, it looked like. And I think those days are just behind us because he does, he, he's just not the, the focal point like he used to be, but well, I mean, that would be good. That yeah. Would, that would make <laughs> you more of a championship team if he doesn't have to be. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's the price of having another MVP caliber teammate in the fold is that, you know, everything's not on your shoulders and that's, that's a good thing in terms of team success. And maybe, maybe, allowing him to remain slightly healthier and be with the team at a hundred percent for, for longer into the season. Uh, but yeah, the stats just probably won't be there quite as much as they were. Um, do you think there's, do you think there's any chance he was just a little bit banged up from that Knicks game? I remember like he was gripping his knee after a hard fall with Fournier. He went diving into the stands and was took a very long time to make it back to the locker room. Do you think he was just a little tight or sore? I I mean it's possible. He's he's it seems like he always has one or two things going on. Like there was the wrist um, lately. The the, oh, right. the knee the yeah. knee's always something that's bothers him off and on. Uh, I mean he's an enormous guy that takes bad falls almost every game uh, <laughs> it was like... just the only reason i ask is because like i feel like because we talked about this earlier in the year but then i felt like he gave us at least six or seven weeks where we didn't talk about it at all uh and finally i was thinking about it again in that next game like i hope he doesn't get hurt today you know when you have that feeling i hope he doesn't get hurt in this game that and you that that's when you know he's fallen like four times uh in a half 
<laughs> yeah, there there are the ones that look a lot scarier than others. I, I do remember we had the one fall in the Knicks game. He he took a really bad fall. It was kind of like face first, and he like sprung up immediately and mm-hmm. in such a way that he it felt like he did it that quickly just to like make sure fans weren't worried about the fall. Right. <laughs> we <laughs> see football I, we, players do that after huge hits. Sometimes. Yeah. Which I kind of appreciated as a fan who is worried when he falls. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know if anything, they, they didn't mention anything particularly that, that happened. No, it wasn't in, on in the, the report. Next... Yeah. I was so... just wondering if it's possible, if you thought it was possible, but it's, I mean, it's definitely possible. <laughs> the man, the man plays through a lot of, of bumps and bruises. That's for sure. So uh, yeah, as you, as you mentioned a minute or two ago, you'd like to see him maybe get a rest day, especially uh, now that Harden is around to kind of bear some of the load. Um, but it, I doubt it'll be in Miami tomorrow night just because Miami's one of the teams they're jockeying for positioning within the East. So it'd be, it, I, it's a, yeah, this could be the one seed on the line. So I would rather go into it and see how the game looks through the first half. And then, you know, if, if it's a blowout for some reason, you're wiped fine, then do some old school load management and just rest your guys. Yeah. We'll see how, how it shakes out, but I, I know they probably have this one earmarked because um, there are only two games back of the heat right now for the one seed. And I, I would imagine that's something they're looking to get. Um, you got to go for it. Yep. Yeah. All right. So uh, that wraps up the, the big three talk. Um, we're going to take a quick break now and hear from our sponsors and then talk about uh, some other members of the supporting cast tonight. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Dave. So before we, we get into the, the bench guys and that, that has solid games tonight, I just wanted to touch on Matisse Seibel, who had five personal fouls in 
just under 17 minutes of action tonight. So we were talking off air. It seems like this is the one type of matchup where Matisse kind of really struggles a, a little bit from time to time. The small, quick water bug point guard types, um, Darius Garland, who had uh, another good game against the Sixers tonight with 26 points, 19 assists. Um, so this this harkens back to Trey Young and the Atlanta series where, where Thibel was consistently getting victimized by like pump fakes and trying to battle through screens and getting called for fouls. It, it wasn't as much the pump fakes tonight, but he, I, he did have a one where he was coming around a screen and his arm got caught up under Garland's and he got whistled. Um, I don't know. Is, is this a trend you're seeing with him in these types of matchups or do you think it was just a particularly unkind whistle for him tonight? I think probably some of both, right? I guess. It's always some of both in these questions. If you you had to make me pick, I think I would pick that it was a tough whistle because 100% agree with you that water bug guards can be a challenge for him. Like, you know, I don't expect him to completely lock down a guy like Garland who can go left, right, and step back and throw those lobs. But what, you know, some of those plays where Okoro is driving and there's just a little bit of chest contact, half of it was initiated by Okoro and he gets a whistle for it. It makes me think like something is weird here because as Daryl Morey's pointed out on podcasts recently, they will let so much thrashing and smashing happen if you happen to be posting up in the same spot. But if you're driving there, even the faintest w- hint of contact is a whistle. It's kind of a double standard. It's a little weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and Thibel gets penalized for that in these playoff type atmosphere games when you're facing like an all-star caliber guard. I don't expect it when he's playing a guy like a Coro, to be honest. And I think a couple of those that ended up sending him to the bench were fouls. I probably disagreed with. So, and, and that's it. Like, you know, that's the difference between two and four fouls or three and five fouls. So I think that's a huge deal. Yeah. It, that definitely, I, I thought the one was on an unfair whistle against Decorah that you're kind of talking about. Um, but yeah, I think these, these, these nights just happen from time to time. There's, there's the refs that don't let Matisse's like physicality or, or maybe they're just not used to somebody being able to do the kind of things he does without fouling. And, and so they kind of think in their minds that, Oh, it must be a foul then. Um, but yeah, he does have these nights every once in a while where he just gets a bad whistle. Um, hopefully, it just doesn't show up in the postseason again. But he's had he's played really well lately, kind of overall, especially with Harden and uh, how that's kind of opened up his cutting and offensive game. So just I would I would think this is a more of a one night blip than anything, and expect him to bounce back against Miami, who is definitely a team that has a lot of rangy guys and they, they, they certainly need Matisse to, to step up and have a good game if they're going to compete with the heat. Um, so I, I, I don't, I'm not worried about it. I just wanted to, to make note of that. Um, we need to find like a professional gambler and have him on the pod who can tell us the personalities and scouting reports of officials. Like, <laughs> well, tonight this guy doesn't like to call the rip through move. That's why Joel is frustrated. And, this guy doesn't like the landing zone violation. So Harden hates that. And this guy hates what Thibault did. If we knew all of that stuff, maybe we could say more definitively was tonight 
an off night for Thibel or was it an off night for the officials, but probably something in between. Yeah. Uh, I know charting ref tendencies was something uh, Haralabob Vulgaris often has mentioned in his, uh, his Twitter musings and stuff. So yeah. that is, that is certainly something that the sharps are tracking and looking at. Um, I don't, I don't know if anyone that looks at that extent looks at things that extensively is willing to share it because that's probably an edge they're they're not willing to make public. Ooh, good point. <laughs> um, but yeah. I know Sixers Twitter will say, well, Tony Brothers hates us. So <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> um, so somebody that did have a good night from the supporting cast was George Yang, who had 17 points. He hit five of eight from three. Uh, he was kind of the, the ignition for the end of quarter runs at the end of the first and the th- third quarters. He's just a guy that I think really benefits from the Harden arrival. I, I know everyone talked about how much Maxi benefited, but Niang's skill set is perfectly tailored for what Harden brings. The, Harden is going to draw all the defense. He's an incredible passer. He's going to find guys when they're open from anywhere on the court and Yang has that quick trigger to just get it up immediately. And Harden's been in Toby's ear. And I know you wrote an article about this for the site this week, just, Hey, you get the ball, you're open. You need to shoot it immediately. He's never going to have to get into George Yang's ear, ear and say, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when Yang says, I know, I know Yang's your guy. You've written about Yang too. And he had a great game. He was a plus 13, 17 points. His, he just steps onto the court unconscious. And even when he's played, poor, shot the ball poorly, he's still unconscious and loves to shoot. So you really, really value that trait. Uh, and yeah, like you can see when Harris sets a screen and plays two man with Harden, Harden gets both of their defenders and it leaves Harris open. When Niang does it, they will stay with Niang. Or if they don't, it's buckets because he hits an open three. And so I, I think. You know, he, I guess he took Danny Green's minutes. Green only had 16 minutes and, you know, he didn't even get a shot up. Niang was a plus 13 and uh, he looked really good out there in closing units. So maybe he's earned a bigger role moving forwards. I, I think it's definitely something they're going to look at more and more. Um, I, I feel like some of Toby's minutes should go to Niang in, in a world, a merit, a perfectly merit-based world, but because of Doc's affinity for Toby and Harris's contract and everything that, you know, is baked into that. I, I, I never see that happening. So I think it's going to be a lot more of Niang kind of at the three, or I guess Toby at the three with, with George at the, at the power forward position, but a lot more of Harris Niang lineups um, together, because I think, I think Niang, as long as the, the opposition doesn't have, really good wing depth where they can punish him on the defensive end. I, I don't think, I think offensively his, his spacing works perfectly fine at that position. So um, yeah, a good night for him. He had the the one where he, he actually, he caught it in the corner and pump faked and hit a floater, which is always a fun part of his game. When he, he brings that out. Um, he's surprisingly effective at, at that little move. Um, but yeah, he's, he, he is hyper confident, but it's not, I don't think it's unwarranted. It's not like this, uh, like a microwave scorer who is like a 34% shooter 
and some nights he's really bad, but because every once in a while he has a like an, a five for seven night or something, and you're like, oh well, that, that's that's the game that he's going to think about for the next two weeks when he has four bad games in a row. <laughs> like that's not the case with Niang. Like no, he's just wet. I agree. He's just yeah, wet. Like yeah, sure. He has the the one bad game every once in a while because these guys are human. It's going to happen. But he's shooting forty percent from three on the year, and it's the fourth straight year that he has. So he's just a really good shooter. And yep, it's not it, like uh, <laughs> it's not like he's the microwave guy, like you said. Like I think of like a Gary Neal back on those Spurs teams. Like some nights he might have eighteen for you, and the next he's going to be like zero for eighteen, and it's up to Pop to get him out. This guy is just, if he's open, he's probably going to knock it down. Yeah, he's he's been such a nice pickup for the Sixers this season. Uh, just just the perfect backup stretch big that that you couldn't, like, and you, they got him on a, such a reasonable deal. Like, I'm surprised more more teams in the league weren't taking a look at this guy because, yeah, he, he has his flaws, but for, for someone that's only going to play 20 to 24 minutes for you off the bench. Like, I, I don't know what more you could ask for. Um, I, I would love to see a lineup with Niang and Green out there with Harden and Joel because, I, you know, like I just – I know Jackson Frank wrote a great post. Like, what if they went all offense? And I'm thinking, like, what if they did? But what if they took out Harris and that – then it was – only players who love to shoot threes just to see what that was like with the two man action of Embiid and Harden, where there was true gravity uh, in the corners. So yeah. Interesting to see. Yeah. Like uh, just running them with a pick and roll and just shooters, just pure shooters. Not imagine if you couldn't help like what Joel and, and Harden could do. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, a slightly more actualized version of Isaiah Joe as the fifth or something. <laughs> It's just if just, I would try Joe, I would try Green and Yang. I would, you know, I would just get a little creative with it. Yeah, why not? Um, well, Doc Rivers is why not, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if in a hypothetical, why not? Yeah, sure, absolutely, I would love to see it. Um, so the other the other good bench performance uh, was Shake Milton, who we briefly mentioned earlier. He had eleven points in. Played, played 21 minutes, got a lot of minutes tonight because Harden actually had a bit of foul trouble earlier in the game. Um, Harden didn't, Harden only finished with four fouls. He, he didn't really pick up too many more in the uh, second half. So he did end up with close to 36 minutes, but uh, in the first half, Shake got a little extra run and he, he looked like he deserved it. He hit a couple threes, um, just picked his spots, didn't, do anything too crazy but it was just the the calm confident shake that we've seen in the past and second good game in a row for him it seems pretty clear that shake deserves the cork moss rotation minutes right now uh cork moss again got an early look off the bench but then played poorly and we didn't see him again Uh, is i don't know do you think do you think the shake cork moss uh transition is is going to happen next or I guess tomorrow night in Miami, Dave. Probably, yeah, I do. I think uh, it's got. I mean, it would be weird to to see what you've seen over the last few weeks and think I need to play Corkmaz over Shake Milton today, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't, I don't know 
what you've seen out of Quirk Moss in the last four to five weeks that would warrant he's been like the first guy off the bench. I don't, I don't, I don't, I just don't understand it. I don't get it, but he only played seven minutes. Uh, and I don't think he came, was he in the second half? No, he, he got the, he, yeah, he got the hook, right? He so, got the hook. Yeah. I think that's becoming a thing. I think, did he get the hook against the Knicks? Cause I know he stunk it up in the second half. It was, yeah. Shake, shake took his spot in the rotation. Yeah. So he, you know, he's getting like, seven minutes in the second quarter and then he's getting the hook for the game is he really going to get the seven minutes tomorrow maybe because they'll be shorthanded because maybe someone gets a rest night or maybe it's a double digit game but i I would much rather see shape be the one to get that initial seven with the uh first reserve group yeah shakes shakes looks pretty good lately and there's no like he had the mysterious back issue so and there's there's been no sign of that he's looked in very much like his usual self when he's been out on the court so yeah he's playing well right now i i have no reason not to to give him those minutes and um i mean cork moss is just he's not been an effective player for them for quite some time now so and Korkmaz, like when the ball was swung to him he instantly got it to niang and i think it was probably the right play but it's not the Korkmaz that you're used to when he's confident, right? Because he's getting rid of the ball as quickly as he can rather than looking for his shot. The whole thing just kind of vibed off to me. Yeah, he, he can't be having the most confident mindset right now. Like he's no, he, he has it's been so long since he's had a, a really good stretch of play. Uh, I don't know, maybe. I, I don't know how you turn it around for him right now, but it's not by sending him out as the first guy off the bench. That's for sure. So yeah, it's a mystery and it stinks because at the very beginning of the year, when he was shooting 40% from three, he looked like a wonderful value signing for, for like four or 5 million a year. And now he's like known as a marksman, but he's not at all a marksman. And I think smart defenses are starting to realize. Yeah. They, they, the scattering reports are starting to catch up and yep. saying, Hey, let's let this guy shooting thirty-two percent or whatever <laughs> fire him, fire him up. Like that's that's yeah. fine. That's a it's a winning possession for us as a defense. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see going forward. But it's, I, I think it has to be Shake's time. Um, since it doesn't seem like it's going to be Isaiah Joe's time, uh, let it let it be Shake's at least. Um, but anyway, good good win for the Sixers tonight. One twenty-five, one nineteen over the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's 4-0 since James Harden suited them up. Five in a row overall for the Sixers. They're now at 39-23, and 23, just a couple games back in Miami, who they play tomorrow night um, in, in South Beach. So w- one other thing we wanted to touch on before we sign off this week uh, was the DeAndre Jordan signing. He was uh, waived by the Lakers so that I, I think it was uh, a mutual understanding that he wanted to go somewhere else where he'd have a bigger role. So the Lakers obliged Daryl Morey scooped him up. Um, I think uni- kind of universally across Sixers fandom, it's a bit of a head scratching move. It seems like Jordan hasn't been an effective player in quite, quite some time uh, talking years at this point. I think the idea is that Deandre Jordan is a guy who can catch lobs from James Harden kind of kind of work with that second unit but 
uh, I don't, I'll, before I go any more on my thoughts, Dave, Dave, what was your, your thoughts on the, on the signing and, and Jordan who will presumably get the, the Millsap minutes as the backup center, if the Sixers are going to the trouble to, to reunite him and doc and everything. Yeah, I guess if, if I were in charge, I probably wouldn't have looked this way. But if I was like on Daryl Morey's staff and he said, I want to do this after having just executed the James Harden deal, like I'm not going to tell him this is idiotic. Um, Harrison Grimm might, you know, he, he feels strongly and he he really believes in um, Paul Reed and Charles Bassey. And honestly, my instinct are to agree with Harrison and say, let's let's see how those guys look. Let's give them a chance with this group. Um I don't mind the signing in and of itself. I think he'll be better than Willie Cauley-Stein. So, you know, give it a shot. If this is like your fantasy roster, that last spot is something you might want to toggle. Who cares? Um, and if Harden liked playing with him and he endorsed this, they did have some uh, some positive minutes in Brooklyn last season when Harden was healthy. And you want a guy who gives a little rim protection and a little lob catching and dunking. So if he can give you that as just an innings filler for the rest of the regular season, great. The scary part about it is Doc is a guy who's proven and I'm just going to do what I do and I'm not going to think about who we're playing. And that's where you get worried. You know, if you and I say I'm scared that DeAndre Jordan is going to get targeted in high screen roles in the playoffs against Kyle Lowry, uh, we could say that now and we're going to see it and we're going to know it's coming months away and we're still going to suffer from it. And that's what happened with us with Dwight Howard last year. So that's scary. I think. I could be wrong, but I feel like we saw four minutes of small ball tonight where Joel was out and Millsap was out. Don't think we're going to see that under Doc, um, but I'd have to go back and check the rotations. If Niang was like the biggest guy out there, I'll be surprised, but it's possible from these numbers. Yeah, they've they've toyed with the Niang-Harris front court for like a, a three to four minute stretch in a game at times in the past, so... I'm not going to say that's not something he ever goes to. Um, I, I just don't think it'll be something that's consistently a rotation piece for them. Uh, it, with Jordan, yeah, you, you mentioned the big the big issue is get to the postseason. Teams have the scouting report. They know how to attack you. Uh, Derek Bodner had a good analysis in his newsletter following the the Jordan signing or the the Jordan rumors that they were planning to sign him and that he's just absolutely toast in any pick and roll defense right now. As, as you also mentioned, teams are just going to go to that again and again. And if you can get Harden and Jordan in a pick and roll defensively, like that's a huge win for any defense. And you want Harden to be in a defense where he can just switch because he's not good at getting over screens. He's not going to fight through them. You, you need you need to have a more switchable deep defender alongside him. Jordan's not a switchable defender by any means. So we saw this problem with Dwight Howard last year in the postseason, and Dwight is better than Jordan at this their respective parts of their career. Um, that's why Dwight was getting rotation minutes in LA this year over Jordan. So I like, I just don't know what the upside is with bringing Jordan in. Uh, yeah, he can, he can eat some minutes for you during the regular season, but why couldn't Paul Reed and Charles Bassey eat some minutes for you in the regular season? Plus there would be the added potential for maybe there's something there 
uh, beyond just eating some minutes. Like maybe there's actually upside potential. Like Paul Reed played two games prior to the the trade happening, and he looked he looked good. Like it it wasn't incredible. There there were mistakes made, but there were also flashes where you really thought like, oh, this this is interesting. And he's at this part of his career bouncier than DeAndre Jordan. So why not see if Paul Reed could be the lob threat with James Harden? Um, Charles Bassey got some time back in November and Doc really praised him and said how good he was for a guy his age at being in the right spots defensively and how mature he was in understanding rotations and staying within himself and just and then we kind of never saw Bassey again, really. So that that was weird. Like, why not give him a shot? I, I just I just don't understand why you you have options. And yeah, it's the regular season, so it doesn't matter so much if DeAndre Jordan gets some minutes here. But it's at the expense of learning whether these other guys could be the options. And that's when it comes to postseason time that that could cost them. Like. Yeah, you're saying, oh, it's 10 minutes in a postseason game, but we saw in the Toronto series a few years back, like 10 minutes in a postseason game could matter a whole lot. Um, so I don't know. It just feels like Willie Collier Stein came in. He got six minutes to show what he could do. And, and then it was mostly garbage time in those six minutes. Like, I don't know. Isn't, wouldn't you rather give Collier Stein 15 minutes a game for a week and see? If there's anything there where we kind of know DeAndre Jordan, there's nothing there anymore. I don't. It, that's that's how it feels to me. I don't know. Yeah, I, you know, if you if you go through your criticism with Doc Rivers, people spend a lot of time talking about the playoff. You know, not getting out of the second round with the Clippers, losing it up three one. For me, the most frustrating thing in his Sixers tenure is his lack of regular season experimentation, seeking out some of those playoff viable lineups, and if. DeAndre Jordan enables that weakness, I think it could be bad. You know, if the Sixers lose a heartbreaker and Jordan was a minus nine in four minutes, there's going to be no one surprised. Uh, maybe maybe uh, Doc Rivers would be the only <laughs> yeah, maybe, one. <laughs> maybe like, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> it definitely won't be everyone on Sixers, uh, Sixers Twitter who has been very uh, – vocal about their they're not liking this move so. i'd like to ask daryl Morey, like off the record or with truth serum you know if you did not sign deandre do you think it's possible that doc would be forced to experiment you know maybe he would eventually learn Millsap isn't the solution maybe he'd try small ball with niang and matisse maybe he would try a little bit of reed or bassy and maybe you'd find something better than jordan um, because giving Jordan to this roster, you're not going to get that experimentation, but you already know his specific weaknesses. Yeah, it's like in Moneyball where Billy Bean has to trade away Carlos Pena to get him to finally uh, start Hatteberg at, at first base. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we, we just have to get rid of all of the veteran backup centers options i I wanted that last year i was like you know we got to get rid of dwight otherwise we're going down with the ship um ben overshadowed the whole storyline for me but yeah i mean dwight dwight was not good in the atlanta series but yeah there were there were bigger problems in the atlanta series that that didn't really come to the forefront as much but uh yeah no i think 
I think we uh, talked out all the the main issues we we may have with the move, but yeah, hopefully it's it it is just something where it doesn't really matter so much because Harden's running any non embed minutes now, and that just lifts things enough where the the weaker backup center option doesn't hurt the team. As like you said, maybe he can alleviate these backup center minutes, right? Yeah, that's that was my article for the site. Yeah. Um and I, I think there's definitely some truth to that. Um, but that that wasn't the sign for Daryl Murray to go out and sign DeAndre Jordan, <laughs> which that came was out to like hours for... after I wrote the article. <laughs> yeah, that was to like send three extra seconds for Nick Claxton. <laughs> yeah. Uh well. We'll we'll see how Jordan looks in his Sixers debut, which I'm sure will be soon to come. He was he was on the injury report as not with team for tonight's game. Uh, I don't know what the status will be for the Miami game, but uh, we'll see Jordan sooner rather than later, I'm sure. And hey, maybe we'll be proven wrong. Stranger things have happened, but I don't know. Jordan hasn't been a plus player for a few years now, so I'm not overly optimistic about it. But I am overly optimistic about the Sixers team who ever since James Harden arrived have looked like true contenders. Um, And again, 125, 119 over the Cavaliers tonight. Dave, thank you for joining me. Um, Where can everybody find you and your work on the internet? Um, At David Early on Twitter, spelled as it sounds like early morning. Uh, I write for Liberty Ballers covering the Sixers and I write for Clutch Points covering the Brooklyn Nets. We, yeah, we didn't go into the Brooklyn Nets, but not not a great time for the Brooklyn Nets. I think Sixers fans are enjoying the – they got their popcorn ready with the Ben Simmons stuff that's going on. Um, I'm, I'm sure you had many discussions in your your, your Brooklyn-related <laughs> endeavors where you, you didn't really want to talk about Ben Simmons anymore. But, yeah, I, 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 would I, say I, the I can biggest... say we're glad to move on from that. <laughs> The biggest takeaway is <laughs> Nets fans, you should be praying that he's just trying to duck the Sixers fans because the possibility of a back is so much worse. And that's not a good place to be. It's been as sad as it has been happy for uh, the other side of that trade so far. Yeah, uh, I think Sixers fans are very much enjoying the fact that they get to watch James Harden play rather than watch Ben Simmons not. Uh, on a Twitch stream D- or whatever. Decode shams, just shams update. <laughs> yeah, what, whatever, whatever was happening when Ben Simmons was ostensibly on the roster, I, I, yeah. I, I can say I much rather have James Harden. Um, it's a much more enjoyable experience. Hey, so in, uh, I hope you enjoyed our time here tonight. And for everyone else out there, we will talk to you on Tuesday. We have a special Tuesday edition of the Talking About podcast next week, where we'll, we'll be. Uh, we, we will be talking about Brooklyn because we'll be kind of previewing the Sixers Nets game, which is happening next Thursday. So Ooh, popcorn late, game. Yeah. Look forward to that one. And we'll talk to you on Tuesday, everybody have a good weekend and uh, we'll talk to you then.